This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. And uh, the title of my message is A Time for Open Doors. A Time for Open Doors. And uh, this is part of the word that God gave us at the beginning of the year. And uh, as I was meditating and preparing and asking God for what I should preach on this week, uh, it, this just jumped in my spirit. You know, sometimes you just get something in your spirit. By the way, for those of you, I'm sure you've all heard by now, uh, our dear friend Charles Chirasuti and his wife were in an accident a couple nights ago, driving to Bulawayo. In the late of night, they dodged, tried to dodge a couple of donkeys in the road and rolled their vehicle. He was killed instantly, and his wife is in critical condition in Bulawayo. And uh, I'd like us just to take one minute and pray for that family and pray for that church. You know, the Bible says when the shepherd is smitten, the sheep scatter. I'm believing that that won't be the case. I'm believing that that church will continue to grow on. I, I hope that he has prepared the next generation to come and that the church will not stumble or fall, but it'll grow from strength to strength. The Bible says that costly, precious, is the death of one of his servants. Uh, it's very costly to see this man who has served our nation and served us so well taken in such a fatal and such a tragic way. And uh, I know this, that it's the devil who took his life, not God. The thief comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Accidents happen. The devil takes advantage of accidents. He takes advantage sometimes of our bad planning. I don't know. I just know this. That when a man's life with this much experience is cut short, it's costly to the kingdom. It's costly to this family. It's costly to our nation. So would you pray with me as we bring Apostle Chirisiri, Charles Chirisiri and his wife Petunia to the Lord. Father, we bring Charles to you. We thank you, Lord, for his life. We celebrate that life. Father, we ask that you would bring comfort to his church this morning, to every member in that church, to his family, Father, especially to his wife, who's right now laying in a hospital bed. Father, we ask that your angels would go and minister to her, that, Father, you would send your Holy Spirit to provide healing for her body. Father, she would have a speedy and quick and a full recovery in Jesus' name. Father, for those that have been interceding, we thank you, Lord, that their prayers will be heard. And the Father, this family and this church will be preserved by your anointing. Father, we commit this family to you. We commit this time and this season. And the Father, it will not be a time of victory for the enemy, but a time of utter destruction of his plans over this ministry and over this family. Father, what the enemy meant for evil, God, we declare that you can turn for good. And we commit ourselves to support this family, to support this church at this time in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Open your Bibles with me to Revelations, the third chapter, the eighth verse. A time for open doors. A time for open doors. In Revelations 3 and verse 8, does everybody have their real Bibles today? 
If you have your Bible, just lift it up. Say, I have my Bible. Say it out loud. I have my Bible. It's a real Bible. It has real pages. I read from a real Bible. This is the Word of God. I believe it's God's Word for me. Amen. Good. Revelation 3 and verse 8 says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I believe that we're in a prophetic season. And I want to declare to you that I believe that it is the time of the open door. There are amazing things that can happen when doors open. And we should be praying for those things and for those doors to be opened. I want to prophesy over you today because I believe that this is what the Lord would say. I think the Lord would say this. I open doors that no man can shut. I shut doors that no man can open. There are those of you that over the years have set out with commitment and with resolve to do things that have assigned for you to do. And over a period of time, it looked as if the devil just slammed the door in your face. But you hear me now, says the Lord. I am opening your door and nobody else will be able to close it on you. Don't quit. Don't give up. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Don't give up on this nation. Don't give up on your church. This is the time of doors opening and the time of doors being held open. Go through them with great faith and stay centered and focused on my word, says the Lord of hosts. If you will stay with me and draw near to me, I will stay with you and draw near to you. And together we will see the victory. And it will be a victory beyond anything and anybody you could imagine. See, I, I, I believe that we need to make these declarations into the heavenlies. We need to understand what God is saying and what God is doing. There is an open door for you. These are words of these are these are words of good news. Good news for every believer. But especially if you're a believer that is deeply committed to prayer. You see, because in prayer, these words become much more than just words of good news. They become the marching orders of our commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ. They become the key that unlocks doors. They are the things that propel you and I into our destinies and our futures that God has prepared for us. Now, these words are a reminder from the Lord Jesus himself that we need to be sure that we resist discouragement in every area of our lives and keep believing for the open door. See, I, I, I sense greatly that there are people today, that, especially in the nation of Zimbabwe, but around the world, and some in this church, you've become so discouraged that you're no longer looking for the open door because you feel like every door has been closed. 
You've given up on an open door, and the discouragement keeps you from even looking. But see, that's why you must remain strong in prayer. That's why you must be men and women of the Spirit. Because without the Spirit, you cannot see the open door. John chapter 10, verses 1 and 10. The Jesus is speaking and he's teaching and, and, and he, he, he says this. He says, Verily I tell you, Pharisees, that anyone who does not enter the sheep bin by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper, one version says, the porter, opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand. They didn't understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Verily, verily, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out. They will find pasture. But the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Are you getting that? See, to pray effectively about spiritual doors, God wants to have opened in your life. We must first find out what he has to say about doors or gates in his word. John 10 talks a lot about doors. Jesus not only identifies himself as the true shepherd, but he also identifies himself as the door, the gate. He says, I am the true shepherd that goes through the door, the through, the through the gate. But he says, I am also the gate. I am the door. He also, also in this passage, he refer, refers to the watchman or to the porter of the gate. And that's the one who opens the door. So who is it? Who is this porter? Who is this watchman that opens the door? See, we have to understand what, what he's talking about. Well, the Holy Spirit is the one that opens the door. The Holy Spirit is the one that opens the door to Jesus to do what he wants to do on the earth. And as powerful as the Holy Spirit is, and he's very powerful, he cannot do that job alone. In fact, he needs your cooperation and my cooperation to get the job done on earth. As we yield to him in prayer, we become the vehicle through which he moves. He utilizes our prayers to open important spiritual doors. See, I struggle sometimes when people say, well, I don't see any answers to my prayer. I don't know why I should be praying. If you don't understand that you are in cooperation with God, God can do nothing without a man in the earth. That's why Jesus could not come to earth as God. He came as man. 
God had to use a man to unlock all the doors to take the keys of the kingdom of darkness. Keys are only for one reason, to unlock doors, to open the doors that he would open and close the doors that he would close, lock certain things up, unleash certain things, but only through a man could God accomplish that. That's why it took so long for Jesus to come. It took prophets years and years and years of prophesying the coming of a Messiah. And when the prophecies were full, when the prophecies were complete, when there was enough prophetic word in the earth, God was then able to send his son. I'm telling you that even today, it works exactly the same way, that God is limited by the prayers of his people. God can and will do nothing except through the prayers of his people. Let's talk about some of the doors. What kind of doors do we help him open? First and foremost are the doors to people's hearts. Many believers, in fact, many of you, you do not realize that God can open people's hearts to the gospel. See, I think a lot of people believe that, hey, people either open or close their hearts by their own choice. But the Bible clearly indicates that the Holy Spirit can move upon somebody and enable them to understand and receive the message of salvation when they otherwise wouldn't. The Bible says that this gospel or the gospel of, or, or the Bible says the God of this world has blinded their minds lest they should see this gospel and it should shine unto them and they should be saved. If there's a God of this world that's blinding people's minds so that they can't see, don't you think that our prayers can effectively break that blindness off of people? There are people in your family that don't come to church. There are people that don't come to church anymore because they've been blinded to what church means. There are people that have never accepted Jesus simply because they've been blinded. There are some of you that you cannot go to your next level. You cannot obtain what God wants you because you're blind. You can't see. The God of this world is blinding you to the truth. And God wants to illuminate your mind. But it's not going to happen unless you pray or somebody prays for you. Let's just do this right now. How many of you can think of somebody that's been blinded by the enemy? Can anybody think of somebody? Just raise your hand. Say, I, I know somebody. Man, I know right now. A thought, somebody comes to mind. Most of us, can't we? Let's take that person and let's just pray for them right now. Heavenly Father, we come right now. We take a moment in this service. Father, as soon as we said that, we could see people that have been blinded. Some that knew you, and Father, they've been blinded by the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust for other things. The word of God has been choked out of their lives. Father, we're so concerned, that Father, that they've been blinded to the truth. Father, we bind those spirits now, those mind-blinding spirits in the name of Jesus. 
We take our authority that you've given us over all the power of the enemy and we declare that those powers are broken over their minds, over their lives. Father, we ask that you would penetrate them with the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would cause, Father, your angelic spirits, that your Holy Spirit would minister into this realm and open their minds to understanding that light would come to them, that illumination would come to them, that revelation would come to them through the Word of God. Father, we bring these people by name. In the name of Jesus, we bring them by name to you, Father. Illuminate their hearts. Even now, even wherever they are, speak to them. Begin to move by on them. And Father, allow others to minister to them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Do you believe that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much? Then why aren't you praying? Why aren't you praying? Our prayer rooms should be full. Our 24-hour our prayer should be full if we really believe that prayer can change people and change our nation. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas go to the city of Philippi. They hadn't originally intended to preach in this city. They'd wanted to go to Asia. But the Bible said they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go to Asia. Acts 16.6, it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word of the promise of, uh, uh, in the province of Asia. The King James, I like it better, says, now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word of God in Asia. In other words, the Holy Spirit closed that door. He says, don't go there. Why? Well, let me tell you something. If you've ever been an evangelist, if you've ever been a preacher, there's nothing worse than preaching to a people who aren't ready to hear the gospel. Well, I preached and I just preached and labored and preached and preached and preached and nobody gets saved. Nobody moves. Nobody's heart is open. Their hearts are hardened. They're, they're not ready for the gospel. And let me tell you, that's the condition of many men's hearts. And unfortunately, in Zimbabwe, if we're not careful, we will become like the Laodicean church whose thinking is that we are full of life and full of light and the gospel has come. We boast of having 85% Christian in our nation and yet I see a hardening of heart to the true gospel. I see a hardening of heart in people's hearts to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They want some divination. Let me have a divination. Let me have God do something for me. God did something for you. He died on a cross. He paid for your sins. He'll, he set you free from bondage. He's caused you to become righteous in Christ Jesus. He secured a future and a hope for you. What more can you ask for? Oh, no, I want God. If he was really God, he will provide for me without working. He'll tell me my telephone number to know I'm really how powerful he is through a man of God. Are we silly? But see, what it does is it hardens your heart. When all of a sudden you think God is supposed to be your heavenly butler, when God is supposed to somehow provide all of your needs and you don't work, you can lie, you can cheat, you can steal, you can fornicate, you can do all these things, and then somehow God is just supposed to, well, you know, God's supposed to overlook everything, and we're not supposed to live holy lives. We're not supposed to serve God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. We just want God to do what we want him to do. 
the way we want him to be. We've created God in our image. And our hearts become hardened and the enemy uses it to blind us. We didn't get the thing we asked for the way we wanted it. I don't know if God really is real or not. No, God's real. God's real. Sometimes he doesn't answer on your timetable or the way you want him to, but he's real. Don't worry, he's real. See, I find this passage of Scripture interesting. There's no open door for them in Asia, apparently. I think I wasted a lot of time preaching in areas where there was no open door. I don't know if I heard the Holy Ghost say, don't go there. I just went, I thought, I had this idea, you could just preach to anybody and they're going to get saved. See, the Lord didn't want Paul and Silas to waste their time. So what happened is, the Lord gave Paul a vision in the night season. And, it says, and, and in Acts chapter 16, verse 9, it says, a man from Macedonia stood pleading with them, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, confident that they'd received an instruction and a direction from God, they hit it immediately for Philippi. That was the chief city in that area. And when they arrived, they immediately went down to a riverbank where people used to pray, where the Jews prayed, and they addressed those that were assembled there. In Acts 16, verse 14, in the Amplified Bible, it says, one of those who listened, I love that, they were listening, was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. A dealer in fabrics dyed with purple. She was already a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Well, I'm going to tell you something. The Lord has to open your heart sometimes to pay attention. The Lord has to open your heart to give you a revelation. If God doesn't open the gateway of your heart, if God doesn't open a man's heart, they're not going to get this gospel. That's why we pray. God, open their hearts, open their minds, open their wills, open their souls. Open their spirits so that they can hear this gospel. One man plows, another man sows seed, another man waters, but the Lord gives the increase. Does this make sense to you? Notice what the verse doesn't say. The verse doesn't say that Lydia opened her own heart. It says the Lord opened it. He also moved on her. And she opened her home to Paul and Silas. And as a result, not only did she open her heart, she opened her house. And she let Paul and Silas stay in her house. And they ended up staying with her and launching an incredible ministry in that region, a major work of God. Think of it. One woman became the key to reaching an entire city for Jesus. One woman. That just, shows to show, that just goes to show you what great things can happen when the Holy Spirit opens the door, even to one person's heart. In Acts 16, verses 1 through 15, I want you to read that. I put it up here. I said, read that story today as homework. Discuss it. Discuss what might happen. If God were to have you open your home, your heart, your life, your business. See, sometimes we just go to church no, I, write that down. Acts 16, 1 through 15. That's homework today. And over lunch, 
open the Bible, say, let's discuss this. What would happen if we opened our house? What would happen if we opened our hearts? Are our hearts open? What would happen if we prayed for open hearts? What would happen if we were like Lydia? Could God bring a revival through your family? Maybe not to a whole city, but maybe to your block, your cell group. One open heart, one open door. Imagine what could happen. The second kind of door that the Holy Spirit opens is the door of revelation. The door of revelation. When the door of revelation opens, God's people see things spiritually that they were blind to before. They understand truths that previously escaped their grasp. Ephesians 1, verses 15 and 17 says this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking the Lord, our, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Man, I, I was taught how to pray this prayer when I was in Bible school. In fact, the whole book of Ephesians is full of prayers that you can pray. For this cause I bow my knee to the Father in heaven from whom all the families on earth are named, both in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. There are prayers that Paul prayed. Paul's praying for you and I. You and I should be praying for each other that a spirit of understanding, a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelation come to each other, come into our homes, come into our families. Sometimes when I've seen my children become a little bit rebellious, or I've seen my children become a little bit off color, or I've seen my children become a little bit not as righteous as I'd like them to see, I don't go and bash them. I'll go and get on my knees and I'll pray this prayer. Father, I pray that you'd give them a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of understanding, a spirit of revelation. I bind this principality. I bind this spirit that's working in their lives right now. And then I wait for the time to go and say, hey, let me talk to you. But see, if you have the Holy Ghost working with you, something's going to happen. Amen? See, when the door of revelation opens, you and I, God's people, see things spiritually where we were blind before. We understand truths that escaped our grasp. That's what happened to the apostle John in the book of Revelation. He was in the spirit, the Bible says, and he was praying. And in Revelations 4.1, the Bible says, he saw a door standing open in heaven. <laughs> I don't know about you, but in the day and the season of open doors, I want to be in the spirit praying because I link the two. When you're in the spirit praying is when you see. And he saw what? A door standing open in heaven. And through that open door, John was able to see what would happen in the last days. John was able to receive important revelations from God. He was able to touch something of eternity and something of the future because he saw through a door. He saw into the future what was destined, not only for him, but for the whole church and for the whole world. 
Now, if he could see for the whole world, don't you think God can open a door for you to see into your future? I believe we're living in a season when doors will be open to the church in a greater measure. I believe that we as the church corporately and that some of you individually will enter into realms of revelation that will cause believers to be strong and to do exploits. See, revelation enables us to operate in greater authority, in greater boldness. Revelation empowers us with wisdom and confidence. The wisdom and the confidence that we need to accomplish and to do the work that God called us to do. Think about what happened to Peter. He was praying on the rooftop at one Simon the Tanner's house in Acts chapter 10. And God opened the door of revelation to him. He put Peter into a trance through a vision, taught him that God is no respecter of persons. You know the story. A sheet comes down with all kinds of unclean things on it. And he says, rise up and eat. Three times he has this vision. Three times God speaks to him. Don't call anything unclean that I call clean. He showed Peter that he could cleanse and sanctify a Gentile just as easily he could as he could cleanse and sanctify a Jew. Now, if the Holy Spirit hadn't opened that door of revelation to Peter, he would never have been bold enough to go to Cornelius' house to preach the gospel. In fact, he would have been afraid to do it. It would have been absolutely impossible for him to go into a Gentile's house and make himself unclean. Even just last few weeks when we were in Israel, on the Sabbath, they have a Sabbath elevator. Because the Jew can do no work on the Sabbath and they're so bound by law, they can't even push the button on the elevator door. That's considered work. It's true. So the Sabbath elevator comes and it opens up. You get in and every floor it opens and closes. All the way up and all the way down. If you're in a 22-story building, even if it's 30 seconds a floor, you got a 20-minute journey. People get on, they can't touch the door. They, they, but so it was with cleanliness. So it was with being with a Samaritan or being with an unbeliever, a pagan, a Gentile. Jews did not associate with them let alone eat with them and let alone preach to them that they could be saved. But because God had opened a door of revelation to him, he had the courage to walk right into that Gentile household. And the Bible says in Acts 10, 29, he says, without hesitation or objection or misgivings, he preached the gospel to Cornelius' house. And it opened the door to the Gentiles for the whole world, for you and I. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's give the Lord thanks right there. Amen. One man responding to an open door. One man responding to an open vision. 
See, clearly, Peter was called to preach the gospel to the Gentile and to those people in Cornelius' house. That was part of his divine destiny. But the Holy Spirit had to open a door of revelation before he could do it. The same is true for the rest of us, for you and I. All of us need doors of revelation to open that will help us fulfill God's call on our lives. See, we need to see things in the Spirit that we haven't really seen yet. We all need to understand things that we haven't grasped regarding our ministries. Every one of you has a ministry. Every one of you is a minister of the gospel. But some of you are afraid to step into your ministry because you haven't seen what God has for you. Or you think it's going to require you to stand on the pulpit and preach. 99.999% of you probably will never preach from the pulpit. But you'll preach to your wives and your children, to your friends and your neighbors and your cell groups. And God will open doors that no man can close. God has something for you to do, but you have to have it by revelation. You can't just do it out of rote, out of, out of hard work, out of I have to. It's got to come by revelation. Not only for your ministry, but for your families. What's the vision that God has for you and for your family, for your marriage, for your children, for your business? It's not just business as usual. There has got to be a kingdom anointing and a kingdom understanding of why you're even involved in business. And if you keep working as you do, just in the natural, then you'll get natural results. But if you ever get a revelation for your business, if ever you see a glimpse and an open door for your business, you'll be surprised at what God has in store for you. But so many of us are bound up in fear that even if God did show us, oh, I couldn't do that. Because we're not trusting anymore in the Lord. Some of you are looking for personal direction in your life. And you'll run from prophet to prophet and you're getting yourself more confused all the time. A prophet should never tell you what to do. A prophet should only confirm what God already told you. Some of you are spending good money at profits, waiting in their houses, paying for their hotel bills. Come on, I know some of you do that. For what? A divination. When you could get in the presence of God in the holy place on your knees in a prayer room and say, Holy Spirit, show me what you have for me. And God says, you are a prophet. You are a priest. You are a king. I'll show you. And by revelation of the Holy Spirit, he already tells you what you're supposed to do. Oh, but that wouldn't be spectacular. Woo, that wouldn't be something you could go and say, yes, the man of God. Ooh, ooh. Oh, no, no, but let me tell you something. What God shows you in secret, he will reward you openly. So afraid to hear God on your own. So afraid. What it does is it hinders the move of the Holy Spirit. Because the minute I would start moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit... You start standing in line. Give me a word, Pastor. Give me a word, Pastor. I want a word. I want a word from the man of God. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. 
Has not the same blood of Jesus saved you that saved me? Africa has a problem. The Apostle Paul faced it. They worked a few miracles and the people ran and they said, Oh, he's a God. He's a God. This one must be Zeus and this one must be Hermes. He's the one who speaks and he's the one that the power works through. They're gods. Paul had to take his clothes off and say, Look at me, I'm flesh and blood just like you. Stop worshiping men. Worship God. Thank you for that one amen. That's why it's important that we consistently pray for God to teach us what we don't know and to show us what we can't see and we don't see. We need to pray not only for ourselves, but we need to pray for others that God will open doors of revelation for us. Let me give you another homework assignment. Put their homework assignment. Write it down. I want you to go read Revelations 4, 1 through 11. What did John see? He said, I saw an open door, a, a door standing open in heaven. I saw a door standing open in heaven. Well, what did he see? Hey, it's only 11 verses. But those 11 verses might change your life. Finally, the third kind of door that the Holy Spirit could open is a geographical door. He can prepare the way of the, for the gospel to be preached in a specific region, a specific part of the world, a specific area, a specific part of town, a specific part of your domain that you have, a specific region, even in your company. Matthew 24, 14, and the Bible says this, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Did you know that there are nations in the world today that are so locked down that the gospel cannot get into those nations? Tibet is one such nation. Tibet has been so close to the gospel for so long that there are some who believe that when the door to Tibet opens, Jesus will return. There's a region, I don't know how much you understand this. How many of you know what the 1040 window is? How many of you have never heard of the 1040 window? Shame on me. Shame on me. But the 1040 window, about, mm, I wouldn't say more than about maybe 10, 15 years ago, maybe at the most, became a hot topic in the body of Christ. Put a map of the 1040 window up. The 1040 window is the 40 degree north to the 10 degree north band across the segment of Europe, Asia, and North Africa. This is the stronghold of demonic religion in the earth. Hinduism, Islam, and Buddhism. You can see where those religions, these are strongholds. And the gospel has not been able to penetrate, had not, had not been able to penetrate these areas. But about 15 years ago, 
a revelation came for the church for us to begin to pray for the 1040 window for that domain today there is gospel outreach in all of those nations there is a quickening of the Holy Spirit but you know until we began to pray there was nothing going on there they were strongholds of the enemy the strongholds of Satan this area was so bound by Satan that nobody was able to openly preach Jesus there for decades and decades Niger right there next to Chad in Africa was one of those nations a few years ago they boasted of having 50 million Muslims and no more than 10,000 Christians but just a few years ago a new government came in because of the prayers of God's people and they welcomed different religions to come into their nation and to openly share and preach their gospels and the church has been there ever since through the government the Holy Spirit is unlocking that nation and I believe it's because of the prayers of God's people. Psalm 2, verses 1 through 8, the Bible says this. By the way, this is the verse that God gave me when I came to Africa. Psalm 2, 1 through 8 says, Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? King James says, Why do the nations rage? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying... Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. Do you see that the world thinks that our belief system, obeying God, loving God, being holy, being pure, keeping commandments, keeping laws, being lawful, being respectful, they believe that those are shackles. They believe that those are chains to be thrown off. The world system says, do as you feel, do as you please, do, just do it, do what you want. They don't want law. They want lawlessness. They don't want the shackles of having to be held accountable. They, they want to be able to do whatever they please. They don't care about their fellow man. They say they do, but they really don't. They care about themselves, lovers of selves, seekers of pleasure, wanting to consume everything upon themselves, upon their own lusts, only care about the next selfie. It's true. It's true. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them with his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have, made, I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth, your possession. Whew. Let me tell you something. All we have to do is to read the book of Acts to see how vital geographic doors can be. Remember earlier I mentioned that the Apostle Paul had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel in Asia. Later in Paul's ministry, the situation changed. When it did, Paul went to the Asian city of Ephesus. This was a stronghold, a place famous for the worship of the goddess Diana. And lo and behold, he found a small group of disciples there. A small group. Doesn't take many. Of course, they didn't know very much because they didn't have anyone to teach them. In fact, the Bible says they'd only received the baptism of John.
and they hadn't even yet heard of the Holy Spirit. But after Paul baptized them into the name of Jesus and laid hands on them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he proceeded to reach the entire region with the gospel. In fact, in Acts 19, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says he reasoning, reasoning daily in the school of one Tyrannus, and this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. All of Asia heard. What was the secret to Paul's evangelistic success? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9, he says, I'll tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has been opened to me. A great and effective door has been opened to me. You know, you have to be sensitive to see these doors. We had a young man come and visit our congregation just a few months ago. One of our members, Carl Stratum, walked over and introduced himself. How many of you are introducing yourself to strangers? How many of you going about, or are you only thinking about yourself? So he went over and he shook his hand. He says, where are you from? He said, I'm from Germany. Really? What are you doing in town? Oh, da, 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 da. Would you like to come to my house for lunch? Took him from church to his house for lunch. They started talking. The young man said, I've never seen anything like your church. Carl says, I, I want you to meet my pastor. So he introduces him to Pastor Tommy. He's a young man. Pastor Tommy and him get talking. The, the guy says, would, 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 you, would, you, would you ever consider bringing a missions team to Germany? We need this life. Tommy said, sure. But when I, when I questioned my son... He said, I felt something in my heart. I felt, and God had been speaking to me about Germany. When I questioned Carl, he said, no, we felt prompted in our spirit. To, we felt a connection. See, these are doors. Some of you just walk by, you're only thinking about lunch. You're not thinking about God, you're thinking about you. God, what do you want to do? God, God, show me the next open door. And I'll tell you what, your life gets very interesting and very fun and very exciting when the next person you meet may be God's connection for you. Just this week, I met a, young, a man. He's with us today. I was asked by one of our members, would you have lunch? I said, sure. He's, in a, he's, a, he's investing. Da, 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 da. I said, yeah, sure. But I just had a quickening. But I walked into the restaurant and shook his hand. It's like I'd known him my whole life. I, thought, I looked at it. I said, I've met you before. I've seen you before. I've seen you. Be no, I'd never seen him in the natural, but I'd seen him in the spirit. You see, and most of us walk around so dull that we don't even know we have a spirit. And then when we do meet somebody, it's about, what can I get? What are you going to give me? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? What are you going to do for me? What do you have? It's all about you. I don't, I, I'm not looking for him to do anything for me. I'm saying, what's in this for the kingdom? God, what's the kingdom connection here? What do you want to do? Well, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And you know what? If the kingdom comes, he says, if you seek first the kingdom, all these things will be added unto you. But you seek yourself, guess what happens? 
you miss every open door. It's 11 o'clock. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you. We give you honor at this hour. It's 11 o'clock. Seven times a day, we praise you. Seven times a day, we lift our hands and we create the, the letter Shin, which means that you are owner of this property. This is your temple. This means that you deserve worship and you deserve praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, let me close up here. My time's up. All I want to say is this. Amazing things can happen when the Holy Spirit opens a door. Not only can we preach the gospel openly and see many people saved, but signs and wonders will accompany the preaching of that gospel. Paul had some of his greatest miracles in Ephesus in a city that had been dominated by demonic spirits, by a demonic stronghold, Diana, Artemis, Isis, same name. Same spirit that works in Islam today, Isis. The Holy Spirit opened such a wide door of divine power. The Bible says this in Acts 19.11. It says that God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body and to the sick. And the diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them. I have a homework assignment. One more. I want you to read Acts 19, 1 through 20. Read it all. Read it. Read these stories. Don't read them like a Bible study. Read them and say, what would, what would happen if that was me? What if, what if, what door, effectual door does God want to open in my life? Some of these doors that God opens for us are very, very spiritual. Some of them aren't so spiritual. They just are opportunities where he touches your heart. He says, I want you to do something. I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to let your heart be touched. Sometimes where your heart is, there your treasure is. In fact, the Bible says that. And we have an opportunity with our church in Johannesburg. They have been building down there. I wish I could tell you the whole story. I've scared that church out of their wits. First of all, they started believing that they could only afford two million rand to build. And every time I'd go down and look at their piece of land, I'd say, that's not the piece, that's not the piece, that's not the piece. Finally, they showed me a piece. Not because they wanted to, but because there was a travel, uh, there was an estate agent with them and she saw how frustrated they were getting and how frustrated I was. She said, could I just show you one piece of land? And as we're going back near Danefern, she takes us to this piece of land that says Imoweni, which means the breath of the Spirit. We drive in. I didn't even ask her how big it was. I said, what does that mean? She says, wind of the Spirit, breath of the Spirit, something like that. I said, really? I said, this is the place. Then, of course, our accountants asked, how much is it? She said, 16 million. 16 million. I said, this is the place. At that point, everybody wanted to quit the building committee. Long story short, we began negotiations. We were able to negotiate to about 11 million. 
then we still didn't have, we had no money. Eventually, we were able to negotiate to a place where the husband was going through a divorce with his wife. She wanted to parcel off a part of the land, and so we were able to talk him down to six million for the biggest portion of the land. He wanted a quick deal. Our church was able to raise very quickly the first million. We gave it to him, and then he said, I'll carry the rest on a bond for you. At interest, the prime interest rate plus two. This is a high bond, but at least it was ours. So then we began meeting in a, a, a place across the street for two years. We're coming up to our 10th anniversary down there, and they've been building. They've been saving money and building. Reducing the debt on the bond a little bit and then building at the same time. Let me show you some of the pictures. Do we have those photos? That's the new building. That's the interior. That's the pastor's office. Green room. Is that all you have? seats 500 people they've got a congregation of about 170 and they, that's a miracle that's a they, they, when that building is done it'll be worth about 8 million rand and they spent close to 4 million on it but they've come right to the end now and they have just work themselves into the ground. They have nothing left. They've given and they've given and they've given and they've given and that young little church down there is going to be a launching pad for something great. I believe it's an open door. The location, by the way, that we bought was a big open field. Nothing was happening. Today, there's a development called Stain City and there are 760,000 thousand homes going to be built around our property. It's the fastest growing part of Johannesburg. It's moving towards Pretoria and Centurion, and they're coming together right there at our doorstep. We have fought battles. We have had demonic attack. We've had people quit in the middle of the building program. We've had all the things that happen when you build. But that little faithful flock has remained true. And I believe that God has given us an effectual door of ministry. Already we planted a church in deep sloot. Already we're beginning to reach out. This little church is already reaching out. But I believe that it'll become a 10,000 member church. It'll become a flagship in that region in South Africa. Here's what I want you to do. Right now, in order for them to move in, they need to cover 5,500 square meters of parking. They cannot get their parking permit until they have 5,500 square meters of parking covered. I went down there a month ago, and the church had run out of steam. They just given until they couldn't give anymore. But I put a video together, and I asked them to do one more thing. I said, just give one more time. I said, come on, let's, let's finish strong. The cost per square meter is 275, 275 rand per square meter. 
The estimated total cost for all the civils work is 5,500 square meters is $1,512,000. Rand, Rand. After I gave that little appeal, they raised 700,000 Rand themselves. This little church of 150 people. I don't know how they did it. But they just, they're giving beyond what they should be able to give. The balance required for us to complete the civils is 812,000 Rand or 58,000 US dollars. I can't help but think that I want my seed in that piece of property. I can't help but think that this is an open door to the nation of South Africa. That we've been there 10 years building this little congregation. They've done something that is impossible. Just like this building was impossible. And now they get over the final hurdle. I want to be there to help them. Here's what they'll use that for. Completing the paving. Draining the draining pond and drains that leaks to the municipality. The front boundary wall and gates. The side boundary wall. And for the site cleanup and landscaping. The interior of the building is 99% complete. The only thing left is the finishing for their stage. If we help them, they can be in that building and we can celebrate with them in October. So I'm going to give you a chance just today, today only. I mean, you can make your decision today to help. I'd like us to receive an offering. If you need an envelope, I'd like you to get an envelope. Whatever you're giving, I'd like you to write on their Johannesburg Building Fund. I already prepared mine. I already knew what I want to do. You know, I just want my seed in the ground in Johannesburg. Every time I go down there, I give anyway. But I want us to do that. So if you need an envelope, raise your hand. If you're willing to help me, here's what I want you to do today. I want you to say, listen, God, I see an open door. I'm willing to sow into an open door, but I'm asking that you would let me see my open door. As I sow into this open door, I'm asking you would let me see that, Father, you'd cause me to find myself in a place of prayer and that I would see my open door, my open door, my open door, my open door. Sow into your open door. Everybody do something, if you can. Every little bit can make a big difference for this church. I'd love to phone them this afternoon and say, buy the rest of the paving stones. Buy them. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.